Hello. Now, this episode is about designing for a dual access block, whether choosing a home off the plan, building a custom designed home or renovating and extending your existing one. There are certain things to know so that you can make the most of your dual access block. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I get going, remember that each episode in this season has its own free downloadable e-guide on offer with an interactive worksheet to help you get started on your project design. So this episode's freebie can be found at www.undercoverarchitect.com dual access block. So D-U-A-L access block and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Okay. So don't stress if you can't remember it. Now, what is a dual access block? So, well, this is what Uh, we call a block that has two frontages but at opposite ends of the block and the home so this may be via two street frontages for you know because for some reason there's been a subdivision that's left uh, a, a sliver of land that's only one block deep rather than having two blocks you know backing onto each other in a street either side of them there may only be one block and therefore there's a street running either side of it Or it may be because the home faces a park where pedestrians can arrive at the home, uh, but it has street access for the car on the other side of it. Or perhaps it has uh, rear lane access at one end and a street frontage at the other. Your home may not have dual access, strictly speaking, but perhaps it overlooks a park or a reserve area or a golf club to its rear, golf course, something of that nature. And so as a result, the back of the home is more exposed and you might have even popped a gate in your back fence in order to get access to that open area and you end up having two frontages as well. So some of these strategies used for dual access blocks will also apply to you. Now, if you're listening in Australia, you may be familiar with the last season of The Block, uh, which featured dual access blocks. So I'm talking about the 2017 season. There was a street on one side and a laneway uh, at the other end of each site. And old cottages were relocated to the front of each site with a new two-story extension that was designed for them that bolted onto the rear. And the extension had a kitchen, living, dining and deck at the rear of it. And then there was a garden. And then on the rear laneway, uh, there was a two-story building that was built and it had garaging at the lower floor and a studio uh, over the top. And so that type of building, that garage with a studio over the top of it, is also known as a Fonzie flat. And uh, this is actually in honour of Arthur Fonzarelli from Happy Days. If you don't remember Happy Days, I'm, I'm showing my age here, but it was a television show that I watched as a kid and Fonzie was a character in the show that lived in a flat over the Cunningham's garage. And I'm not kidding, this, this terminology, the Fonzie flat, is actually seriously used in the property industry to describe a little self-contained building where it's garaging at the lower floor and then a self-contained accommodation or studio over the top. And so I'll talk a bit more about this design strategy for dual access blocks later in this episode. 
Now, there'll also be some parallels between a dual access block and a corner block. However, I do find that dual access blocks require some different thinking just because of what happens to a home when it's basically straddling between two public interfaces. It's a bit different to when you've got two public interfaces uh, on two sides adjacent to each other as you do in a corner block. Dual access block obviously has them at opposite ends. And, you know, what happens is that it has to face or address a frontage at either end of the block and also maintain security and appear like it's not turning its back. And that can be a bit different to the exposure of a corner block. So let's go through the challenges and opportunities to consider when designing for a dual access block. So first, let's look at the main challenges for dual access blocks. Now, one of the big challenges is actually making a determination about which is the front and which is the back of the home, and then how you'll lay the floor plan out as a result. Sometimes the nature of those frontages will have an inherent hierarchy. So one frontage might lend itself to being the primary address of the home and an obvious place to bring in cars versus bringing in visitors on foot. And sometimes the view or the outlook might determine which is the better public access point of the home as well. Sometimes one street is a better street address than the other. And so that can guide your choice as well. However, if you've got people coming in one side of your home and cars coming in the opposite end, and then you, of course, as you get out of your car, then that can obviously change the layout of the floor plan. Traditionally, in a home with only one frontage to the street, the cars and the front door will be at one end, and then the main living spaces will be at the other end, at the rear, uh, and they'll have a connection to the garden space. Yet in a dual access home, you may actually need to plan your home differently, as the home really has two fronts. And then this can change the circulation in the home overall, how and where stairs might be located, where you choose to have your kitchen in relation to your outdoor entertaining area. You know, for example, do you put a living space at each end of the home? Do you put your kitchen in the middle? How do you arrange the floor plan when you have two public faces and potentially two entries into the home? And where do the service parts of your lower floor go, like the guest toilet and the laundry, if you have a home that's exposed on either end? Now, the first step in overcoming this challenge is really to determine which is the primary frontage and which uh, do you want to treat as your secondary or lesser frontage. And then this will help you create some hierarchy in the floor plan overall. And there's a few uh, ways to think about this differently. And so I'll discuss that when we get to the opportunities for this block type. Now, another challenge is this exposure on both ends of this home, both from public view in and the openness to light and breezes and other weather. In a dual access block, the nature of how you arrange your interior and exterior living areas might need to change if you're bringing cars in on one side of the home and people in on the other, because as a result, your outdoor areas may be compromised by how you bring people or cars into your home, uh, because cars and people might be crossing the areas that you're using as outdoor living space uh, to get into your home. And so this can be challenging in creating privatized interior and exterior living areas and, and figuring out where they're going to be located in your home. And given you've got two fronts to your home, you might actually be exposed generally looking out into a public area from a main living space in your home. And then you're dealing with the privatization of views back into your home uh, so that you can feel protected in your primary living areas while still making the most of that outlook. I've spoken in other episodes in this season about how to create privacy for your home where you might be exposed to a street or a laneway or another public area like a park. 
You know, one design strategy is, of course, as I've mentioned before, to look at how you can use levels to separate your home from those public areas. So you can look at how you'll cut sight lines as well, you know, so that the view is broken uh, with how you use those levels or with the inclusion of well-placed screens or landscaping or fencing on your property. So if you're not sure what I'm talking about, go listen to some of the other episodes because I've spoken in detail about how to use levels and how to cut sight lines so that you can protect privacy looking into your home. Your orientation will also come into play here as you may find yourself exposed to sunlight and heat or exposed to harsh weather as well. And so there's similar things here to what we discussed in episode one about corner blocks and how to think about exposure. And so check out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet because that information will be helpful. Understanding the natural qualities of your site, you know, what assets you want to maximize and which negatives you want to minimize will be really helpful here. How you design the exposed sides of your home at both ends will then impact the interior comfort of your home and how it protects you from the various weather conditions throughout the year. Now, security can also be a challenge with dual access homes. Look, it's natural if you're providing more edges to your house that face the public domain, then there's going to be more ways that someone can get unwelcome access into your home. So making it clear which is the primary point of entry is an important thing to do when trying to create security for your home and block. And this can be tricky if you have two frontages and two ends to arrive at the home. And it can also be difficult if you've put cars on one side without much opportunity to sort of naturally look out that side of the home and create that natural surveillance that I've spoken about in earlier episodes. Look, there's some seriously bad subdivisions around where all they've done, you know, they've done these dual frontaged uh, or dual access blocks and one frontage is just a laneway lined with garages for car access. And, uh, you know, that's that's it. That's all that's on along that laneway. And there's no interaction between inside the home and this laneway space. And so activity can happen in that laneway without anyone really keeping an eye on things. And that can make the laneway feel unsafe and the homes less secure. Now, if your home fr- directly fronts a park or another green space like a golf course or a reserve, then there's also the security of just that being a large public domain where people can come and go you know, sometimes unmonitored and they can be hidden and they can disappear. So methods to establish security, they of course can be mechanical ones such as gates and fences and locks and intercoms, but some of the best security actually comes through the design strategies that you use. So there's natural surveillance, which I've already spoken about in other episodes. I talk about it quite a lot. And this involves designing the home so that it puts eyes on the street and eyes on these public spaces. uh, And it feels like you inside the home are keeping an eye of what's going on around the home without you necessarily needing to stand by a window to do that. And you can also use the home design to strongly indicate where the primary entry is and then to create a sense of threshold and separation between the public and private parts of the home and the site. You know, we've all had that experience. We all know how it feels when we're entering a space where we're not entirely sure if we're supposed to be there or allowed to be there. And if you can think about this zoning, this sense of threshold, and you can even treat each side of the home differently based on which is the primary access point, then this can be a really good tool to use. Pathway design, landscaping, screens, views out and in, steps and platforms and lighting, changes in material, you know, all of these things can create a sense of arrival as well as determine and show where people are to enter and where they're not supposed to venture in and around your property. 
Also, decide whether you actually want to provide access on both sides. You know, perhaps even though the home may have two frontages, you will want all of the access to be on one side of the property and to treat the other side as a privatised, secure area that's actually physically disconnected from the public domain. Now, it can be handy to maintain some type of access to move furniture in and out uh, so that you're not always having to bring it in through the front, but perhaps you can do that via, say, putting a removable panel of fence in or something similar rather than a permanent gate so that you can still keep it securitised at other times. You may also need to consider your budget as you'll have more exposed faces of your home to design and build. And this may mean construction costs with bigger glazing and other detailing that you do as part of creating a frontage on both ends of your home and addressing the, uh, both public zones. So make sure that your budget can accommodate this so that it doesn't appear that you've ignored one street frontage and you're kind of turning your back to the other one. So those are the main challenges and the key areas where home designs can fail to suit their site, their dual access block, and, and where they can fail to meet the unique demands of being on a dual access block. So let's now look at what dual access blocks have got going for them because they are some fant fantastic opportunities for dual access blocks when you know how to approach them and what to focus on. As I said in the episode about corner blocks, Remember that dual access blocks have two straight frontages. And so my first question to homeowners, as I said in the corner block as well, remember, you know, is it's always to ask, is one street address more valuable than the other? In the world of real estate and the asset value of your home, the street address can matter. Uh, even the number of the street you are, you might be a really large number on one street, but a lower number on the other street. And that can, you know, changing your street's address and your, your street address and your home's frontage from one street to the other can sometimes improve the value of your home. You may also find that one street is less busy than the other, or it has a better outlook or better orientation or better visibility for you pulling in and out of your driveway or even simpler access for visitors for them parking their cars and walking in. Based what, on what else is going on in the street, you know, local infrastructure, that's there such as stormwater drains or power poles and street trees, they can have an impact. But sometimes council will actually give you permission to change your street address from one side of the block to the other. And changing the main street address and access can make a big difference to how your home functions and feels overall. I did a project for a client uh, once and they actually applied to have the address of the home changed from the street that it was currently accessed by to the street behind it. It was a dual access block. Uh, and they they've they thought that the block that they thought that the alternate street, the one behind the existing home, was actually worth more real estate wise. It was a better street address. And the site was a funny type actually. It sat it sat a little higher than the street that was on the low side. And then the other street was actually a story higher. And the home home sat on this lower level uh, but it faced the higher street so it had a bridge that went from the front fence on the higher street into the veranda uh, and then you went into the home and then you went downstairs to get out to the garden on the back side of the house and there was no formal garaging but the owner um, of the home drove cars in off the lower street and just parked them in the garden and entered the house from the rear so in this design, and I'll pop a link in the show notes so that you can see some photos of this, we changed the street that the home addressed. So we could change the street address. We actually changed the way that the home faced. And as I said, the lower street had a better address in terms of real estate value. So 
we changed the frontage of the home and we applied with council for the street for the property address to be changed to the lower street. So all entry into the home was arranged off that street and that meant that we were adding a new extension onto the back of the existing house, which was actually to become the front of the new home. What this did was it gave us the opportunity to completely change how the home looked and functioned and also how it related to the street and to the outdoor areas. The bridge that had connected uh, the home to the high street and its original entry was removed. And whilst the home looked out to that street and still sat sat very nicely in the streetscape, no actual access was provided from that side. So if you head to the show notes, you can check out the project called Shakespeare to see images of it and just how dramatically we changed it. Now, you also have the opportunity to choose where the real entry to your home is and whether you separate cars and people. Your site and the types of spaces it addresses on its dual access and also your orientation can all inform this decision. However, when you assess the nature of your site, you may find that separating where people and cars come into your home can completely change how the main elevation or frontage of your home appears. Now again, referring back to the block homes, if you remember, they were character cottages that were all relocated onto the site. And because the garaging came off the laneway at the rear, the original cottages could be renovated and kept in fully intact. They had lovely front porches and a front cute little garden and the frontage to that side of the home was not disrupted or hidden by needing to fit in car accommodation on that same side. Now another advantage is that you have significantly better access for construction and this can really improve the speed and the ease with which your project occurs which can improve the time and money that it takes as well. And there is also a great opportunity in how you master plan the whole site. Look, to speak frankly, the success of any project, be it a renovation or a new home, relies not only on getting the house design right, but in also thinking about the whole site and how you'll master plan it overall. And this is particularly relevant with dual access blocks as you manage your two frontages, your outdoor areas, you try and get privacy and functionality from your home and your land, and you also manage how you and visitors and cars will enter the property. Starting with your master plan is a good way to think about how you'll juggle the different demands of your home and your site as you plan your home's reno or new build on your dual access block. So let's go through a couple of examples in more detail to really explain this. So firstly, let's look at the block again, just purely because it's such a good illustration of this type of block. So in that project, the architect actually separated out the built parts of the home. So there was the original main house with its extension that sat addressing one street and that's where pedestrians arrived. They parked out the front and they walked in, knocked on the front door and came in the house that way. And then the garage with its Fonzie flat sat on the rear lane. And so this did a few things. What it did was it enabled easy staging of construction and access between the two built structures. It also provided a great outcome in terms of use as the Fonzie flat ends up being a self-contained building. And so that can be uh, rented out as a self-contained studio with its own access. And that doesn't interrupt the privacy or use of the home itself. And the location of the garage and the Fonzie flat actually enabled the privatisation of that central garden space so that meant it was a really lovely private outdoor area on the rear of the home and the garage materials were chosen to create you know a beautiful and great backdrop to the space as well and this arrangement protected the character quality of the relocated cottages so they didn't have to accommodate garaging on that side of the property and their street elevations could still be very much in character with the original homes 
Now you'll see a lot of dual access blocks in newer subdivisions using this type of master planning strategy because it's really seen as a way to help homeowners create properties where they can make some income from renting out the studio space uh, or they can have kids move into that space as they grow perhaps into university students and they can't afford to leave home but they need some independence and separation from the main family home. And I've also seen some have another generation of their family move in as well. So they can enable greater affordability overall as a result. And they're especially becoming more popular as councils will allow for secondary dwellings in their revisions to their planning laws. Now, another example of this master planning strategy overall is in a project that I did when I was at Mervac. So it was a development that we did in Brisbane and it had some park frontage homes. So there was a group of five houses which all sat directly on the park and then they had a rear lane behind them. And the blocks were quite compact in size, but the homes and the main outdoor areas looked out over the park and they borrowed from all of that spaciousness and green views to make themselves feel a lot larger. We designed the home so that the garage obviously faced the rear lane and it had a secure gate entry and a path to the front door. So any visitors who arrived could park on the driveway if they wanted to and then they could be brought in via that gate. And it also meant that the garden there, because the entry was behind a, a, an intercom gate, it meant that the garden there was privatised and secure. So families could use that as an outdoor area uh, and a play space without the kids you know, being able to run into the laneway or onto the driveway. Then the garden that was on the other side of the home that faced the park, it also had a secure access point as the gate in the fence between the site and the park. So uh, it, the home had its main living areas facing out in that direction, looking out to the park, and people could actually park alongside, they could park their car in a street that was alongside the park, and then they could walk across the park to then come into the property from that side as well. The gate could be unlocked from within the house via an intercom, and then people would then arrive into the living spaces via the alfresco area. And so this helped the design really make the most of the garden and the outside area on that side of the home as well, and also privatise and securitise itself from the park itself. We used level changes from the park level into the home to create privacy. So what this did was because the park sat lower than the home, the fence would appear tall on the park side so somebody couldn't stand uh, next to that fence and look directly into the house or into the garden and that prevented views obviously from that public space of the park at close proximity. And then the alfresco and the interior area of the home sat a little higher than the park level and consequently it got a view looking over the top of the fence and out into the park whilst it had its privacy maintained. So perhaps you don't have a dual access block specifically, but your home or your site overlooks a park or a golf course or a reserve. And so the back of your house is another front and it's exposed to a public open area. You know, that means that the rear of the home can provide great views out, but it's also looked on in, uh, looked in on as well. So think about how you can use some of these strategies so that you can really use both sides of the property to get overall use and the feel that you want and make the most of that outlook as well. Now, finally, there's also the opportunity of increased exposure, helping you manage how you'll design for the movement of the sun. That park front example that I just took you through, that project for Mervac, those homes, they actually faced south to the park. So they looked out south across the park. And given that they're located in the southern hemisphere, this meant that they were actually facing away from the main movement of the sun. 
Now, the dual access nature of the site actually enabled us to change the form of the home so that we could still get northern sunlight into those south-facing living areas. The living areas that face the park, we created them as double height spaces, so they had great big voids over the top of them, and we got views through the home and out into the park. And then we had large areas of glass that gave really expansive views over the public open space. And the building form was then uh, designed so that high-level north-facing windows brought light into the rear of this void and down into these interior living areas. And, you know, additionally, because of the way that we designed the car and pedestrian access on both sides of the home, uh, we were able to pr provide that privatised garden space on both sides of the home. And so we put a second living space on the northern side of the home and uh, and then, of course, had the one facing out to the park. And so the one that was on the northern side of the home accessed that north-facing garden that was behind a secure fence. So that gave some north-facing outdoor space as well. And then the kitchen was placed centrally between those two living spaces on the ground floor. And that meant that that north-facing outdoor garden uh, really benefited the home as well. So check out the show notes because I'll pop a link uh, to some of the images for that project as well. Now let me take you through some key questions to ask about your dual access block and the home that you're designing for it or that you're renovating on it. Answering these questions or talking through these ideas with your designer or your builder, they'll really help you tailor a solution to suit you, your block and your needs and make the most of the opportunities available. So question number one, will you change your address? Is one street considered more prestigious than the other? Question number two, how will you be clear about where cars enter and where visitors enter and still privatise your home and its outdoor areas? Question number three, do you need to add more money into your budget for how you will treat both frontages so that your home doesn't look like it's presenting its back to one of the streets? Question number four, what is the orientation of your block? Where is the sun moving? And how will you maximise this for your home given that you have more exposure to work with? Question number five, if your main outlook is to a less than ideal orientation, can you use the dual access nature of your home to think about it seasonally so that you have a living space that does face the better direction? Question number six, how will you master plan your site so that you privatise your outdoor areas and your interior living spaces? Will your living areas occur centrally in your block using building forms to shield and protect them? Or will you place them on either end and use other strategies to protect them from overlooking and views in? Question number seven. Further to this, is a Fonzie flat something that your council would allow and that you might want to consider? It could be a way to separate access into a self-contained accommodation on your property. Question number eight. Does your site have any natural slope to it that can assist with how you plan out your dual access block? Does the topography help you think about how cars and people enter your home and if this occurs on the same side or do you separate them? Question number nine, what will you do with your fencing and your landscaping on the two exposed frontages to provide privacy and shade to your exposed position? How will they also securitise the home and make it clear where visitors are to enter your site? And lastly, question number 10. If your home doesn't strictly have dual access, but perhaps it faces a park, a golf club or a reserve, how will you use these strategies to help your design work? 
finally, I'm going to take you through, as we've been doing in every episode, (laughs) some things to think about for the three scenarios on dual access blocks. So choosing an off-the-plan home, building a custom-designed home, and doing a reno uh, and extension. So first, let's look at choosing an off-the-plan home on a dual access block. Now, as I said in the corner block episode, most of the -the off-the-plan designs are made for blocks with one street frontage and neighbours on either side and at the rear. So choose a design, of course, which optimises the orientation of your block. And so that may determine whether your primary living spaces are to your main frontage, your secondary frontage, or they're located on the side of your home. So look for designs that do this and then see what needs to be done to customise the rear elevation. And I've got rear in inverted commas, so it doesn't look like a backyard elevation. You know, this may mean that you need to enlarge in windows or you need to add screens for privacy so that you don't look like you're turning your back to your other frontage. And you may want to consider whether that dual occupancy or that secondary dwelling is something worth considering for your development as well. Uh, You could have access to your private dwelling dwelling from one street and then a separate self-contained studio that's accessible from the other frontage. And that can be an option that actually future-proofs your property and provides extra income if you want to rent it out. Next, let's have a look at getting it right in a custom home designed for a dual access block. Now, as I keep saying, (laughs) custom home design, it's really your chance to tailor a solution to your block and its special qualities. So firstly, do a really good quality site analysis of the specific assets that you want to maximise on your dual access block and what you want to play down. Master planning is really going to be your friend here. Have a think about how you want to arrive at your home, both in car and on foot. How will you set up the spaces and the levels so that you maintain privacy and security to your home? And again, as I said with a corner block, use the unique opportunities that your dual access block has to free you up from the conventional way uh, that you know most people design a home. Because what the conventional way does is it puts the garage and the entry on the main street frontage and then the living areas at the rear and then it works hard to get the right type of sunlight into them. A dual access block actually gives you so many more possibilities to work with in how you arrange your home on the site. And your main goal will then be to think about how to manage your privacy and to protect the interior of your home whilst managing both exposed ends overall. And thirdly, let's have a look at renovating or extending an existing home on a dual access block. As with the example project that I took you through, a renovation on a dual access block can actually provide a huge opportunity to really transform a home. Now, as I said, if you head to the link in the show notes to check out the Shakespeare project, you'll see that there's a photo there of the original house. And the photo, that photo that I've got there, it's actually the rear of the existing home. And it was exposed to the street behind the property, whilst the main entry to the home, as I said, was across the bridge uh, from the higher level street and that was that was all overgrown and poorly maintained anyway. The rear of the home actually faced east and yet the home was doing nothing to make the most of this and it, it sat you know a long way back from its street frontage on that side and really looked like the back of a home. Now the renovation strategy of changing the street address, changing the true frontage of the home, that enabled us to design a really contemporary extension and completely transform the look and feel and function of the home overall. And then the character of the existing house was retained to its other street frontage, which satisfied council requirements for um, needing to do that in that area. And yet the home overall, it feels modern and spacious and it's a fantastic family home. 
So do you have an opportunity to do something like this with your renovation, to actually totally change the look and feel of your home purely because you have two street frontages to work with? You know, you can extend the home in a complementary way, but you can still put your contemporary stamp on the aesthetic of it. Right, so that's it for dual access blocks. I really do hope that you found this helpful. And even if you've been listening and you don't have a dual access block, I hope that some of the ideas and the way that I talk through questions and concepts help you think about your future home. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to be discussing blocks where the main view is from the upper floor and the design approaches and ideas that you can use to help you most with that type of land. And remember to head to the show notes because I'll have links there that I mentioned for you in this episode to get some ideas for your dual access block. And don't forget as well that you can grab your free download for this episode uh, and your interactive worksheet. And that can be found at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash dual access block. And I'll have that link in the show notes as well. Now, before I go, I'd love to know, are you enjoying listening to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect? If you are, can I please ask three favours of you? The first is, could you please subscribe to the show on your podcast listening tool of choice, be it iTunes or Android, so then you're the first to know when the latest episode is live. The second favour is please leave a review for the show on iTunes. Now, they don't make it easy. I'm full of gratitude and admiration for anyone who manages to navigate the technological hurdle of leaving a review on iTunes, but it does make a massive difference to helping people find the show and seeing if it suits them. So if you can leave a review, that would be absolutely awesome. And the third favour is please tell your friends, your relatives, your neighbours, your work colleagues, the postman, (laughs) anyone that's willing to listen to you that the Get It Right podcast exists. You know, so many of you have told me that you found this podcast because someone referred it to you and that's brilliant. Uh, The more people that have this knowledge about how to get it right when designing, building or renovating their homes, the more level the playing field is and the more clever and empowered homeowners we have demanding better from the design and building industry. And that's how we improve it overall. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and for tuning into the Get It Right podcast. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Think of me as your secret ally. Until next time. Bye.